Well, this morning on this last New Life Young Adult service of the year, here we have the faithful few. Many of us in our group have gone home for Christmas, are um, going into a, a cliff on the side of a mountain and decompressing from finals week, which is great and is to be expected. Um, but we're here this morning wrapping up the last service of New Life Young Adults of the Year and concluding our five-week series on boundaries. And I hope this series has been impactful. I hope it's been beneficial. I hope all of us are walking away with something from this series as it relates to boundaries because all of us as young adults, I think we all can relate. We can get a little bit better when it comes to boundaries, right? Whether it's relationships or whether it's time or whether it's family or anything, we can all tighten up our lives in the area of setting boundaries. And so I hope each and every one of us are walking away with something from this boundary series for the last five weeks. And this morning, we're concluding this series and wrapping up this final New Life Young Adult Service of the Year as we talk about setting up boundaries in romance and dating. Everybody, buckle up. It's about to get wild. So take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. This too will pass. As we, uh, as we talk about romance and dating and setting up boundaries in this area of our life, I think there's three groups of people that are represented here this morning, maybe even two. The first is the single people, all the single ladies, right? You guys are owning it. Come on. Didn't expect that. Woo! You guys are single and you're ready to mingle, or maybe you're single and you're not so ready to mingle, which is all right, and that's, that's celebrated, and that's great. But uh, you're single. That's the first category. The second category is those of you who are dating. I heard one person. Great. Come on. We're single. That's all right. And uh, you're, you're taking strides at least somewhat into a lifelong committed relationship. You're engaged in a uh, relationship that's romantic, um, where sparks are flying, where there's excitement. So that's the second group. And the third and final group, which I'm wondering, except for me and JC, if any of us are here, looking around, and I'm not necessarily seeing anybody, but those who are engaged and married. Any engaged or married folks in the house? Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. So more of you than I thought. Yes. So, so there's three groups this morning, and I think in this message of setting up boundaries in romance and dating, all of us, no matter what category we're in, can walk away with something this morning. Whether you're single, whether you're dating, or whether you're in a committed uh, lifelong relationship, either through marriage or through the initial phase of engagement, I think we all can walk away with something in this topic of setting up boundaries in our romantic relationships. So I want to encourage you guys, let's lean in, let's listen for what the Lord has to say to us through his word. And we're going to begin in Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 23. We began our boundary series here, and here we will... Bring it to a close. Well-known passage of scripture with a well-known principle we're going to talk through. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, yo, you better guard it. Turn to your other one and say, and you, I know you need to guard it. The second person always gets thrown under the bus, and that's all right. 
Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's pray. God, this morning we pray the prayer of Samuel. Here I am, for your servant is listening. We recognize that you've given us your infallible, voracious scriptures. God, we thank you that you've given us truth to model and live our lives by. And you've given us your Holy Spirit that guides us into that truth. So this morning, we come and we pause. And we say that we're here. God, we say we're open. We say we're receptive. We say we are hungry to walk away from a word from you. God, a word that can apply to our specific life circumstances. A word that can be applied to the, the complex situations in our lives. Lord, we're asking for that. We're asking that we would leave this place changed. That we would leave this place taught, convicted, comforted, and encouraged, and trained in all righteousness. So we take a second, Lord, and as we always do, we make space for you. We recognize that we are anxious, that our hearts can be clouded with finals and with relationships and heading into this holiday season where family's coming into town and we're maneuvering some dysfunctionality in our lives right now. We take a second and we pause and we sit in the quiet and in the silence and listen for you and cast our cares upon you for you care for us. Lord of life, here we are. We ask that you would speak to us and train us according to your word. And we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, what? Amen and amen. Have you ever been violently ill before? Any of you, I'm talking like a sickness, David Leal standing there in the back. He, uh, have you ever been so sick that you were unable to function, just sick? Some of you may even be able to relate to this because there's been so much sickness going on these past couple months here in Colorado. For whatever reason, I've gotten sick like three times. JC's gotten sick a couple times. My baby Rush has gotten sick, um, you know, more times than we would like. All of us have been struggling with some sicknesses lately. And growing up, I remember I, uh, just a few times, I would get violently, violently ill. And one time in particular happened when my dad took us to Grand Junction for a little family trip. Now, I got my brother in the house who flew in from New York City last night, Tyler Caldwell. Everybody make some noise for my brother, front row. And, and so I'm going to refer to him in this story, but we... Uh, we go to Grand Junction, and my dad had these business meetings that were happening throughout the week, and we turned it into a time of family, and we turned it into a little family vacation, and we woke up, and we made the haul five hours down to Grand Junction. I was about 14, 15 years old. I had a couple of my siblings with me, and we just spent the week together in Grand Junction, and it was a, it was a time of family. It was a time of rest. We enjoyed ourselves, and it came to the last night before we were going to leave, and we were hungry. And we were searching and, and doing some research on the local cuisine. What can we eat in Grand Junction that we can't eat anywhere else? What, what, what is the thing that locals just flock to and that is delicious? And somehow, 
After a turn of events, we find ourselves in this French restaurant in the middle of Grand Junction. Mistake number one. So we, we go to this French restaurant. I don't even know how we ended up there, but we open the menu and everything is in French. I mean, we can't interpret anything. We're wondering, I didn't even know there was French people in Colorado, let alone Grand Junction. So sure, all right. So we order something random off the menu. We're all ordering because we can't understand it, so we kind of just order And our food comes out, and it's delicious, and we're having a good time, and we're getting ready to leave, and we go back to the hotel and fall asleep um, and prepare ourselves for the departure back home, the long five-hour journey back to Colorado Springs. And something happened overnight. Our stomachs started to drop. Our, our, if I may be so bold, our bowels started to gurgle. And uh, yeah, I was looking for a response there, and it worked. And we wake up the next morning, and me and my siblings are violently ill. We are throwing up everywhere. We're taking turns, going to the bathroom, throwing up in the toilet. We're trying to pack our bags and, like, throwing up all over, all over our suitcases. Not really. But uh, we were violently, violently sick. And we still have to make the haul back home to Colorado Springs. And we get in the car, and we load up, and we spend the next five hours driving as we are violently stricken with food poisoning. It was so bad that we were throwing up in the car. We were hanging our heads out the windows, throwing up. We would pull into Walmart parking lots, throw the van doors open, you know, heave all over the pavement. At one point, I saw Tyler, I turn around, and he's throwing up in a newspaper bag, like those little tiny ones, fills the thing up, chucks it out the window, and starts throwing up. I mean, it was terrible. We were violently, violently ill. We weren't able to function, but we survived. And I think we all could kind of go around and tell stories about times that we have been sick, that our body has gotten sick, that somehow our body has broken down, whether through food poisoning or through the flu that's going around or cold, whatever it is, I think we all can relate to these uh, stories of becoming sick in our bodies. And just as our bodies can get sick, the same thing can be said of the heart. The heart can actually grow sick. The heart can grow ill. The heart can be in a state of unhealthiness just like our bodies can. And it's with this idea in mind that Solomon pens the words of Proverbs 4.20. And in this poetic language, he writes of a father speaking to a son. And the father at first begins by pleading with his son, saying, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. If you put these things into practice, you will find life and wholeness and health for your body. And in this paternal dialogue, he kind of sets the stage with these introductory lines and this charge to uh, listen, his son to listen to what he has to say. And then the very first thing he says after this is the charge and the command to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, the, the rough and literal Hebrew translation, when you kind of break it down, essentially says, guard your heart more than every object of watching. And I kind of like that, because as we have things in our lives as young adults, as we're maneuvering school, and as we're, you know, tiptoeing on that romantic relationship and we're trying to woo that girl or, or girls, you're trying to be pursued by that guy. Or as we're going for occupational or vocational success or trying to land our dream jobs right after college, 
We have all these plates that are spinning in our lives, and it's as if Solomon says in Proverbs, beyond all of that, beyond everything that your eyes are on, beyond all that you're giving attention to, give attention to one thing in particular that gives priority over everything else. Guard your heart above all else, above all objects of watching. And then he says, for it determines the course of your life not enough just for us to put into practice this idea of guarding our heart, but we must also recognize that our heart carries with it repercussions and implications in every other area of our life. If our heart is healthy, and if we're guarded, and it's in a, in a healthy state, then that permeates every facet of our being, so that we have healthy relationships, we have healthy um, act and talk, and we're able to live life in a healthy way and and live as sons and daughters of God and in the identity that God calls us to in health. But on the flip side, if we unguard our heart and if our heart is unhealthy, well, in the same way, every part of our life can be permeated with unhealthiness. If our heart somehow takes a blow when we develop unhealthiness and viruses in it, then our life will be affected. Our relationships will be affected. The way we act, the way we live, the way we speak, every part of our life can become affected. And like being violently ill, like Grand Junction food poisoning, French food, like being violently ill, if your heart develops a certain amount of unhealthiness, then you will be unable to function and unable to live into the identity and the call that God has on your life, both as a son or a daughter of God and specifically as you. Your unique calling, your, your unique vac- vocation. Not vacation, vocation. Maybe vacation. And so in Proverbs 4.23, we see the simple yet crucial charge to protect the health of our heart. Protect the health of our heart. Now, I think in our lives, we can often fall prey to the assumption that how we live and the way that we act and the things that we say and the way that we live our lives happen disassociated and in isolation from the state of our heart. In other words, we can engage in this action or this sinful behavior or this addiction or this unhealthy relationship and kind of assume that it doesn't have much effect on our heart. But in reality, the exact opposite is true. The way we talk, the things we do, everything in our lives carries uh, incredibly profound implications on the health and on the state of our heart. And I want to kick it to this. How much more the area of romance and the area of dating, where our hearts are exposed, where we're laying ourselves out there for someone, where we're vulnerable, where we're just being real and authentic, there's a certain vulnerability that comes with dating. And so I think this charge from Solomon in Proverbs 4 to guard our heart is all the more applicable in this realm of dating and in romance. And so guys, as you pursue that girl that you've been stalking on social media for the last eight months, and you've been given a tasteful and a strategic like there and a like there, I see it. I know. I've been there. No shame. And girls, as you're being pursued by that guy who you've been talking to your friends about, that guy who you've seen his biceps a mile away, and you're swooning over his hot bod, yeah, that's all right too. As we're engaging in these romantic relationships, whatever they look like, our number one priority should not be finding the one. 
and it should not even be enjoying spending time with that person, and it shouldn't even be being happy. But our number one priority in dating and romantic relationships should be to guard the health of our heart. For it determines the course of our life. It has repercussions into every area of our life. And frankly, I would be so bold as to argue that God is more interested in you guarding your heart and being healthy than he is in you finding the one. Or even than he is in you being happy. Because if you're unguarded and if you're unhealthy and you find the one, and it's debatable whether there even is a one, I would argue that there's not. When you find that relationship that you love and that you want to commit the rest of your life to, if you're unhealthy, then you're going to wreck it anyway. It could be three, four, five, ten, twenty years down the road, but if you are unguarded and unhealthy in your heart, then you will derail that relationship that God's calling you to, and that relationship that can be good and that can be this lifelong thing for you. And so, our number one charge as the people of God is to guard our heart. We have to keep watch over it. We have to be careful of our thoughts and the state of our heart and what we're feeling and how exposed we are as far as our heart's concerned towards people in these romantic relationships. Our number one responsibility is to guard our hearts in romance. And I think that's why David prays the prayer in Psalm 139, verses 23. This infamous prayer. He says, Search me, O God, and know my what? heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When it comes to our heart, we need to rely and be dependent on God to lead us in the way everlasting. But that doesn't negate our personal responsibility. God, yes, is intimately involved in the mix, and he's able to help us and able to give us strength and able to give us wisdom on what it means to guard our heart. But we still have the personal responsibility to set up boundaries and to guard our hearts and to be sure that our heart is protected from things that would cause unhealthiness in it. And we see this principle play out in a a number of different ways, but I think we see this principle play out so clearly in the life of a guy named Michael Scott. All you Office fans, and even those of you who aren't, season three, episode 10, Benihana Christmas. Michael Scott is this erratic, if you don't watch the show or never have, Michael Scott is this erratic character who is completely unfiltered. I mean, says whatever he wants, thinks whatever he's thinking, has no filter whatsoever. And in this episode, and in the series of episodes, Michael Scott is dating this girl named Carol, who so happens to be his realtor. She sells him this condo that's like 500 square feet, you know, something ridiculous. But she sells him this condo, and he, you know, he, he kind of starts to like her. And in this relationship, he is completely unboundaried and unguarded. I mean, he has no filter whatsoever on what he should or should not say, what he should or should not do. And he, you know, he engages in all this unhealthy behavior and unguarded behavior. I mean, he asks her to marry him, like, after the second date, you know, at that, at that Indian Christmas party. You remember that episode? <laughs> Um, he asked her to Sandals, Jamaica, less than a month, you know, into their dating relationship. Like, he just has no filter whatsoever. And so they eventually break up. We can see it coming a mile away. And when they break up, he is devastated, and he is distraught, and he is brokenhearted. And instead of explaining the rest to you, I want to show you what a breakup does 
to an unguarded and unboundaried heart. All right, check this out. Fifth the fun. How did she? Oh, oh, I see what she did. That is good. Wow. That Carol is one smart cookie. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. Michael Scott, people, don't be like Michael Scott. Don't be like Michael Scott. Don't be twisting the knife and listening to James Blunt and doing your thing and wallowing over a breakup or the state of a relationship. I think in the case of Michael Scott, we can take heed to guard our heart. Listen to my words. Pay attention to what I say, for they are life and wholeness to your body. Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this idea of setting boundaries in our lives? What do, I, what do we do with this idea of guarding our heart and making sure that we're protected? How do we set up boundaries in our life? So let's get practical with this thing. Uh, first, I think it's important to recognize that um, specifically what unguards our hearts I think we need to recognize the things that is a virus and that attacks our hearts and that would seek to unguard them and then set up boundaries from there. So some of these things could be maybe some things that apply to everyone. Uh, Unhealthy thoughts. Girls, if you're planning the wedding right after the first date, probably unhealthy. You know, guys, after the first date, if you spend the next three hours looking at her pictures on Facebook, probably unhealthy. Am I being too real here? Sorry. Late night texts, I think, unguard the heart. Guys, sending a strategic uh, winky face emoji pro- probably is, is not that smart, you know, at, at 3 a.m. And if you really want to be discreet, you know, send a Facebook message and try and woo the girl there. Like, hey, yo, just, you know, da-da-da. I saw you from across the room. I don't know. <laughs> Me and JC's relationship actually started on Facebook. We, we started talking. We started flirting. And she was an intern at the time, so she was the forbidden fruit. She had a no-dating rule. I was on staff in full-time ministry in the student ministry, and our relationship began on Facebook. And so I know the bit fully well. I know the texting. I know the messenger. But be careful with the late-night texts. Be careful with the late-night messages. Be careful with the thoughts that we have. Be careful if you don't have accountability in your dating relationships. Many times we can be so arrogant as to think that we're strong enough in God, right? And we know enough scripture and we're disciplined enough and we engage in this romantic relationship and we have no boundaries whatsoever and we have no accountability whatsoever. And we don't bring our friends in and we don't bring spiritual mentors in and we don't bring anybody in to speak into our relationship because I know what I'm doing, right? I'm a Christian. I know what's right and what's wrong. But I think having a lack of accountability incredibly unguards your heart and puts you in a state where unhealthiness can seep into not only your romantic relationship, but also your very heart itself. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think we need to figure out what healthy boundaries look like specifically. Now, I think boundaries can vary from person to person. I think we all, if we go around and ask each other, what do healthy relational boundaries look like for you? I think we would all give different answers. But some things I think we can all keep in mind, for many people on social media— it becomes incredibly hard to look and to see your friends getting engaged. 
And I've been there and I know it full well. It's difficult sometimes to see this person got engaged and this person got engaged and this person got married and this person went to Cabo San Lucas for their honeymoon. What the heck? I want to go to Cabo. And then, you know, you're looking around on social media and it becomes this thing where you just get depressed and you think, what's wrong with me, right? Why, why am I not engaged? Why am I not married? And it can be this comparison thing that drives us crazy. And so as we set up boundaries in romance, I think if that's you, then just cut social media a little bit. If you need to draw some boundaries in how often you look at social media and, and when you look at social media, just draw some boundaries there because that's a huge way that you can guard your heart. Another way is, I think a, I think a good rule is don't text if you're not dating already when the sun goes down. And I know it probably act, seems like I'm treating you guys like junior high or high schoolers, but it's like when the sun goes down, the flames and the flirting come out. And I, I don't know, I don't know why that happens. It might be something in our cognitive processing, whatever. But when the sun goes down, if you struggle with kind of like laying yourself out there emotionally and you're looking at this girl online or this guy or whatever, I think it's probably smart to set up boundaries in your social media and when you text and when you do all this because you're protecting the state of your heart. So if you're single, I'm going to speak to the single people, all the single ladies, all the single guys, and then to the dating. If you're single, if you're in that boat this morning, I, don't, I want to encourage you, watch what you're thinking. Watch where your mind goes. Watch the, the state of your mental activity because the the mind there's something to be said of this close connection between the mind and the heart you can be doing fine and feeling great and you're on cloud nine and life's going great and then you look at that picture of your friend getting engaged who you promised you'd be celibates forever i don't know and and somehow you're now discouraged and you're frustrated and you're like wait what the what the heck and um, your thought process has huge repercussions in the state of your heart Another thing I think is when we all go through this phase of singleness, we can all deal with loneliness and discouragement, can't we? We can, again, look around and see this person dating. Oh, I I wish I could be like that person. I wish I could have a girlfriend. I wish I could have a fiance. My heart just so longs to be in that marriage that I can spend the rest of my life with someone and we can pillow talk and we can goof around and oh, I just want it. And I felt this way when I was single. Before I met JC, I remember having these bouts of loneliness and and just longing to be with someone and longing to date. And I'd look around at my friends, and they were all, it felt like, dating or already engaged. And I would just be discouraged. But when I look back at that time, I realize that God was doing a specific work in me when I was single, that he really couldn't have done when I was dating and and definitely when I was married. There's something that God does in the season of singleness and in the season of solitude where he just works on your heart. And I remember thinking, God, why? Why why am I not dating? And yeah, I could date this person or this person, but I know it's not right. Like, that's going to be unhealthy. Why, Why haven't I found the person that I just click with? And I realize now, well, God was doing something in the season of solitude and in the season of singleness. And so I would keep in mind, maybe if you're dealing with those thoughts and feelings and you're single and you're discouraged, maybe you haven't found the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with yet because God's going to work on you. 
and he's doing things in your heart that he can't do in other seasons of your life. Then he can't do when you're clouded and, and cluttered with relationships and when, with the responsibilities of um, providing and, and um, learning how to be someone else's and all this stuff. He's doing a specific work in you. And so embrace the process of being you and the process of God speaking to you and working on you where you're at. And learn what it means to be his before you learn what it means to be someone else's. I think that's a huge principle we need to keep in mind. If you learn to be the Lord's and to be his son or to be his daughter and, and what that relationship entails and how to be healthy and confident in that, then the relationship that you find later that you end up spending the rest of your life in, that's going to be healthy because you're anchored and you're grounded and you're solid on the relationship that truly matters, this relationship that we're going to have for eternity. Now, let me shift gears. If you're dating, and even if you're not, these are good principles, purity and um, healthy interaction and, and purity in the way that you treat the person are intertwined. You can't have a healthy heart if you're being impure and vice versa. If you're kind of taking advantage of the person and if you're teetering the lines and you're going too far physically, well, then unhealthiness, I guarantee you, is creeping into your heart. And I would be very careful how you treat that person because guys especially, we are accountable to God in the way that we treat girls and in the way especially that we treat that girl in that romantic relationship. And so if we're kind of taking advantage of her and if we're doing A, B, C, and D physically that you know is not right, I'd be careful. You know, you're you're on thin ice there because we have to be accountable to God and um, this, this girl that we're romantically involved with. And I would encourage all of us, as we enter into these romantic and dating relationships, we ought to set up, like we said before, these boundaries of accountability that protect our heart, that protect our relationship. Bring in your friends. Bring in the spiritual mentors. Bring in people who can speak into your relationship and who can um, encourage you and even convict you and speak truth like it is. Because it's so important. We can feel like we can handle things on our own and we can do things isolated and rogue out here, but... When we bring people in and when we allow other voices to speak into our lives, man, there is safety in that. There's comfort in that. There's stability in that. And I think God actually is going to speak through that in our dating relationships more than he's going to speak to you specifically. Meaning our hearts can get cluttered with emotions and with adrenaline and with excitement. And we can often think that we're hearing God when in fact, are you hearing God? Or are you just turned on? You just want to make out with a person. Are, are you just, are, you know, are, are your emotions running wild? I, I don't know. And I think when we allow people to speak into our lives in these romantic relationships, then God often speaks through them in a, in a way that's solid, in a way that's stable, in a way that's reliable, and that's not so individualistic and unsteady, I want to say. So this morning, wherever you are on the spectrum— in your romantic relationships, our number one priority, whether you're single, whether you're dating, even when you're engaged or married, there's principles that we can apply to our lives with, with that too. But wherever you are, our number one priority ought to be to guard our heart, to keep it healthy. Because if we keep our heart unguarded, then we will become unhealthy. It's only a matter of time. And likewise, if we guard our heart, and if we allow our heart to be protected and safe, and, and you're kind of keeping things at an arm's length romantically, 
to a healthy distance, I think then we find wholeness and we find life and we find protection and we find health that permeates the entirety of our lives. Our relationship with God is pure. Our relationship with others is pure. Our, the way we talk, the way we live, every part of our being, every facet of our existence is permeated with health. But we have the responsibility to guard our heart. So this morning, the question is, how is the health of your heart? Take a second. And before you write this thing off, yeah, 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 guard your heart. I got it. Yep, heard that verse before, heard this talk before. Okay, let's get to the next stuff. Before you do that, take a second and think. Process with the Lord. What's the state of your heart right now? Could be romantically, could be outside of the realm of romance and dating. How's your heart? How's the state of your soul? Have you allowed things to come in? Are you unhealthy in some ways? Is your heart unguarded, whether with offense or resentment by what somebody did, or relationally, through laying yourself out there too quickly, going too fast in a relationship, getting your thoughts four, five, six, seven steps ahead when really you're at phase one or two? How is the health of your heart? Have you been guarding your heart? Have you been allowing yourself to be protected? If so, keep it going. Keep guarding your heart. God's going to speak to you through that. He's going to bring life and bring health to you through that. But if you haven't, and if unhealthiness has crept in, and if you've unguarded your heart and you've been disarmed from any means of protection, then God is waiting with his arms open, with healing and with restoration and with wholeness. But he can heal you and he can, he can make you whole and you can be mended and become healthy, but we still carry this responsibility and this weight of guarding our heart. We can't pull the God card and assume that God's going to do everything for us. We have a responsibility as his people to keep watch and to tend and over all the things on our watching, guard our heart. And as you date and as you engage in romantic relationships, I would encourage you, please, 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 because I've done it before, don't let your heart become a casualty to your romantic relationships. Don't let your heart be something that takes back seat and that you kind of write off as something that's secondary. Yeah, I'll get to that later. When I'm married, that's what's really important. But wait, pay attention to it now. Listen to what I say. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So let's take a second. Let's respond. Let's quiet our hearts and let's disarm ourselves from any pride any arrogant thought process or spirit that would assume that you have it all together. Yep, I got it, check. No, wait a second. Respond, think about it. As James says, don't just be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Because if you only hear, you're actually deceiving yourself. So Father, here we are. Your word has been spoken your instruction and your truth has been delivered. And Lord, I pray that we would take steps to apply this to our lives. And God, setting up boundaries in this area looks different for every single one of us. Yes, there's the general, but God, more there's the specific. And I pray that you would give us wisdom. God, would you give us a heart of wisdom and eyes to see what boundaries we ought to set up. Whether we're single, whether we're dating, even if we're engaged or married, God, would you help us to set up these boundaries? to protect the state of our heart because, God, we want to be healthy and we want to be whole and we don't want anything coming between us and you and anything clouding our ears to hear your voice. 
but we want to be sensitive and receptive to what you speak to us. So God, would you do a work in our heart? Would you bring things to our remembrance right now? And I pray that as we engage in this time of discussion, you would speak to us, you would lead us into all truth. And I pray that the words of our mouth once again and the meditation of our heart through these discussions would be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. We love you and we dedicate this time to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, mic drop. Some heaviness. Talk it through. Um, Bless you as you discuss. We're going to pick this up in about five. All right. uh, We're going to do something a little different for our benediction. Usually we stand and we kind of declare this thing, but this morning our benediction is going to be Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Um, and uh, it, it's the verse that we saw earlier, the search me, O God, and know my heart. And so um, we're going to get that on the screen here in just a second. But what I want us to do is I want us to just sit. Instead of standing and kind of declaring this thing, I want this to be more of an introspective prayer of the heart. And I want you just to take a second and maybe hold out your hands or, or posture your, your body in a way that you are praying this prayer from the depths of your heart that you are asking the Lord to do this work in you because I think this is one of the most important prayers that we can pray. This prayer of both repentance, but this prayer of um, revealing hidden sin and hidden faults in us. So we're going we're gonna to pray this and then uh, we're going to wrap up in prayer and then I got a couple announcements before we dismiss. So let's pray this together. Just posture yourselves. Make this your prayer before the Lord. Let's say this together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Father, we love you and we thank you for your spirit with us. We ask that you would help us to guard us, guard our hearts, guard our minds, and set up boundaries in every area of our life that we may be pleasing to you and protect the good deposit that you've given to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen.